Business as usual today, guys, interviewing spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Today, it's Paul Rodriguez from Hot Rod Spear Guns. He's an absolute legend, super nice guy, spear gun builder. We geek out on on a lot of gear and specifically gear for blue water hunting but we also talk about power bands or power bands if you're american and uh or rubber if you're australian or kiwi uh but we we, we get geeky on it and uh, I, I had an absolute blast he's a really cool guy really nice guy as well so but if you don't know me my name's isaac aka shrek i'm the host of the sucker and i love chatting spearfishing talking to meeting cool people from around the world and uh I'm hoping to get out and travel a bit more when this COVID bubble shuts down. I've got two trips um, already booked. I've got one in July doing the East Coast heading down to Sydney. I'm going to do a live interview in the Adreno Sydney store there. Hopefully chat to an absolute veteran and legend who does not exist on social media. One of those guys that you wouldn't know about, but you really want to know and um i've also got an october trip planned over into western australia hoping to make these things happen here's hoping that we're past this awful mess of the last couple of years but on to bigger and better things so i've got a couple of oh actually i've only got one two shout outs today the blue water world cup palapasventana.com you need to find out about these guys that like i interviewed them on the show a couple of weeks back um super cool guys out, out of mexico and they've got two fantastic venues this competition is pretty much like your dream you boats are organized for you guides are organized for you you get there you pay your entry fee you hang out with super cool spiros you chase blue water species and uh, and some reefies as well and you have an absolute blast doing it um check it out july 10th to, to 14th um that's this year it's on every year though palapasventana.com you've got to find out about it super cool dudes in a super cool location um also wanted to say thanks to all the people that have started to leave reviews for the noob spirit podcast on spotify um you can't write a review um but you can leave a, a star rating so thanks to the 20 odd people that have already gone and done that much appreciated um another way to leave a written review and i'd really appreciate it is if you went to podchaser.com forward slash noob spirit check it out or if you just go to podchaser.com, search for Noob Spiro, and um, six people have left some uh, absolutely awesome reviews there about the podcast. I really love them. So, um, fantastic. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Hey, let's get into Hot Rod Spear Guns, Paul Rodriguez. Get geeky. Here we go. I can't wait to get into today's episode, brought to you with proud partner, adreno.com.au. The Noob Spiro podcast has been partnering with adreno.com.au for more than 100 episodes, and these guys are awesome. They have uh, huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country. You can shop online or in store. Use the code Noob Spiro whenever you spend more than $200, and you will automatically save $20. That's right. Use the code Noob Spiro online or in store when you spend more than $200 and save $20. Bucks. I love these guys. I remember the first time I brought a spear gun at adreno.com.au down at the Wollongabba store and Adreno have been a huge part of the excitement that I have about spearfishing. Check them out at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save. Neptonics was founded in 1996, making Trigamex in a barn in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Solid Gear That Works was their founding principle and it still rings true today in every pull of a Neptonics trigger, in every snap of a Neptonics band, and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Got a great deal, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off 
anything and everything at Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. Save 10% off any order at Neptonics.com when you use the code NOOB10. So g'day, uh, Nubas. Uh, I've probably got one of the nicest guys in uh, in, in spearfishing in the world of timber speargun making uh, on the planet. It's Paul Rodriguez from Hot Hot Rod. Uh, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. Glad to be here. Um, as we sort of touched on before the show started, um, I've listened to your episodes on Spear Factor with uh, with Brett, and I hear you know like you're obviously a supporter of his show, and uh, I just commend you for getting involved with him. Like uh, I really like what he's doing over there, and if people are listening for looking for another good spearfishing podcast. Definitely encourage them to come and listen to your interview over there as well. Yeah, man. Well, hey, that's the nicest thing I've heard is someone on their own podcast uh, beefing up somebody else's. But hey, man, uh, Brett's a good dude. Uh, I think uh, you've talked to him a fair bit. And uh, it has a great time doing his podcast. I'm really looking forward to doing this one with you guys tonight. So thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, cool. It was on there that I heard about your hybrid travel spear gun. And this has been a topic of conversation. Like, I really feel like you've solved a unique problem in the world of spearfishing, which is traveling with a bulky, um, large spear gun that's capable of taking down um, larger fish, which is what a lot of guys want to do and girls want to do when they travel. Um, it's very hard to get on. Airlines. I mean, these days, if you, anytime you mention the word gun, it's you know it's it's hard work at, at best. Um, you've invented a spear gun that pretty much just, as far as I'm aware, um, sort of goes into two pieces, and then you're able to travel with that in a relatively small piece, like um, a, a bag or, or travel case. Is that right? Yeah, man. Um, so it breaks down smaller than your fin, right? I mean, you, you're going to have to, you can break down your fins, right? If you have a certain type of fin, uh, generally what I was finding is about 37 inches for a blade. Mm. Uh, so the goal was, all right, let's get, let's get the gun smaller than 37 inches or let's get it. Thir- let's get it smaller than three feet long. Cause three feet is kind of a standard for yeah. at least bags. You, you can find a lot of bags three feet long, right? So, uh, the other criteria was joints got to be bomber. I mean, the joint has to be at least a, a super bomber. And that, that was the hardest part, obviously. Mm. Um, and you know, what's better than in the salt water than carbon fiber. I mean, it just handles like pro, uh, so getting that joint down as well as getting the gun to divide right in the middle, right. Or mm. as close to middle as you can get to maximize that travel space. Uh, and then the third problem really was, was the, the shaft, um, yep. getting the travel shafts and, and <laughs> to be honest, the, the guy who builds them for me still hates building them, but <laughs> <laughs> I got, he hates building them and they gotta, I guess they gotta do a whole jig on their, on their, uh, on their lathe or whatever they're using to cut it down. Yeah. Um, getting those shark fins lined up perfectly and all that with the flopper with, with the, with the actual threads. Yeah. Uh, sounds oh, like it's wow. a big pain. I, <laughs> I didn't even so think about that. Pay, yeah, yeah. now that you say it i'm like oh wow no wonder yeah yeah 100 percent. i'm saying what you're saying yeah man um so and there's man there's there's a hundred other small things you got to think about like with the travel gun but those are the big i think the biggest problems um and you know i started i started out with the hybrids right it took me about five years to really really get to where i am today yeah uh, and then we're doing fun things now. Uh, you know, Hey, if a guy wants to order <clears throat> a couple tubes, he's got a few guns in his arsenal now. Right. I think that was the last video I put up on my Instagram. And then, um, you know, I started going over to the all wood 
travels. There's other companies that make all wood travels and they have mm. they've been out for a few years, but man, I kept getting a, the, that gun, you know, um, there's bending at the, at the joint or yeah. this and that. And I, and I was like, we, we got to come up with something better, man. We got the materials to do it. It doesn't, I don't think it, it's that impossible. So mm. again, took two years to, to get the wood, you know, very, cause the wood, it's a harder build in my opinion yeah. than the, the hybrid, but, um, it, it took another couple of years to get that down after having the, the joint down with the hybrid. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, kind of a long road, but in the end of the day, the, the hybrids get down to, um, yeah, 32 inches for a 130, which is the biggest size I'm building right now. And the limiting factor is shafts, actually. Yep. Okay. All right. So we'll, I, I want to touch on this. Uh, my woodworking skills and uh, my technical knowledge of spear guns, is, I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's pretty poor, man. Um, I'm really curious, though, how you managed to do the joint. Have you gone with, like, some sort of mortise and tenon type um, structure? I have not seen one of your spear guns, so I have no, yeah. uh, I have no uh, ability to sort of uh, visualize so, this if you like without going too far into it i, I haven't patented anything man and, mm. and you know i you know how the spear gun business is and i don't knock anybody for for copying a good idea uh yeah. if somebody hasn't patented it, it's like all right I mean, you didn't patent it bro you know yeah but i do protect my my ideas in as best as i can so basically the way it's built is um no there's no uh, as part of the joint goes the, it's all carbon fiber yep and what I've done is I've um, created uh, basically a tube going into another tube at a very, very low, to low tolerance, as in the okay. gap is almost non-existent. And that's what allows the joint to, and it still slides, right? Because it's carbon fiber. Um, it's it's uh, sanded down to like a 400 ah. uh, on the tube. And then there was also a length issue there, right? Like the joints I was seeing were only a couple inches long. I was like, it's gotta be stronger than that. So, yeah. so minimum six, six inches of joint there. Nice. Uh, and basically it's, yeah, it's one carbon fiber tube going into another. Now getting that one outer layer of tube into the gun is the hard part. And, um, <laughs> it just required, that's what took me a long time to develop, man. I mean, at first I was doing it with just a wood outer section and the wood was swelling. So <laughs> that's going to happen no matter what the, the wood's just going to swell. One thing I, I try to, communicate is my passion for for niche creators and innovators because the r&d when you're doing it by yourself like obviously you can learn and adapt much faster than a larger more bureaucratic company you're just a one-man band often and it's just experimentation the process of iteration there's a long long period between where you start and the finished product that people have in mm -hmm. their hands people don't factor that into the price they pay for things and they don't factor that mm -hmm. into the decisions they make. The other thing is protecting your intellectual property, which we were talking about before, like pa patenting something. Yep. You can pay for a patent and they are written in such an obscure way that people can um, take your technology and your ideas anyway. And then even if someone does steal your idea outright, you have to enforce your patent, which may or may not be um, enforceable in their jurisdiction and you pay yep. a, a lot of fees for that as a as a niche innovator or creator like it's a very long and drawn out process i'm not trying to bore people with the details of creating something but i have tried to do stuff in the past and i appreciate the work that goes into it so mm -hmm. protecting your ip then has how do you do it uh i think 
it's kind of an honor system at this point, man. I, when I do a, a, a video on Instagram, I'm not going inside and being and showing every intricate feature of the mm. joint. Obviously I sell to a customer who might have a buddy who might have a buddy who builds spear guns, who looks at my gun, you know? <clears throat> yeah. But at the end of the day, man, it's kind of an honor system. And, uh, if somebody copies my idea, this is kind of the, the way I look at it. If somebody copies my idea, I don't have a patent on it. It's hard to enforce it. I had a good idea. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As unfortunate as that is, is kind of maybe it's kind of giving up. I've just it's it's the way it's it's the way it is for a small one man shop. And yep. um, I hope people, you know, hey, I I got this inspiration from Hot Router. Even if they don't do that, like I know I see that I see that out there. I'm like, oh, dude, that looks a lot like what I did. Maybe he got the inspiration from me. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just came up with it on his own. And I appreciate it. You know, so. Kind of the way I look at it. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, a pleasant diversion there. Um, like I'm traveling to Vanuatu, right? I want to shoot one of Jamie Rive's massive dog tooth tuna that what you and I were talking about before we uh, jumped on. Like I recently had him on the show and you watched some of his videos. Um, I travel to Vanuatu. I want to hang out with him. I got my travel spear gun. I pull it out. I've got the Mori yep. shaft in two. It's threaded shaft. I thread that together. Um, I yep. slide the muzzle end of the of the spear gun into the into the butt. And then, how is it fastened? Is it uh, 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 bolts? Um, what's the system yeah. of, of joining? Uh, so on the bottom of the gun, it's one set screw now. The okay. joint, so the joint itself, that with that low tolerance I was talking about, the joint itself does such a good job. All that, all that set screw really is doing is is a plate is keeping that tube from launching out when the ah. spear goes. All the joint structurally is handling all of that pressure. Okay, cool. All the all the back pressure is already handled by other components of the joint. Yeah. So. Okay. And does that sh- um, does that change the uh, the the way the shaft travels from the mechanism? I haven't noticed any issues with the the shot as far as like shot placement goes or the way the tra- shaft travels. Um, the thing that I've noticed, and this is like this is the unbeatable part of the travel the travel system. If you're going to use a flopper shaft on a travel gun. That that joint right there on the shaft is a weak point. There's no there's no way about it. Yeah. Um, the best answer I have to the travel portion is shooting a shooting a slip tip mm. because it takes it will generally obviously take most of the pressure off the shaft, right? If it if it disengages properly and and all that. And the other thing is um having um having a uh, shark fin on the front portion of the shaft and having your shaft connected. So you have a shark fin on the front portion yep, and that line keeps the front and back. So if, if it were to come unscrewed, God forbid, right. I, I actually, I like to use super glue, but you can use a number of different things, right. To keep those threads tight, uh, locked tight or whatever. Um, God forbid it does. Right. But you shoot a big fish and that thing wants to come unscrewed. Then yeah, you got to You'll have that thing tied together and your line is primarily attached to the front sh- front half of that shaft oh but okay that's the limit that's the biggest limiting factor in my opinion is the shaft uh otherwise the shooting is is here's the thing i shoot travel shafts and i shoot a travel gun exclusively now just to prove a point yeah right <laughs> if you look on my last year's worth of videos it's all my 120 120 travel hybrid and i've been shooting some pretty big fish with it lately so in terms of shooting line are you just running monofilament i, I i'm i'm um i'm avidly against mono at this point in my life okay um yeah, and I shoot the Aussie reel line, right? That um, that uh, that Dyneema, the, yeah. the obviously with the core and the outer. I know some guys will talk about the drag it adds uh, potentially. I haven't noticed that. 
um, as long as you, the biggest issue with that, that line, right. Is you have to be adamant about keeping it tight. Yeah. If you mono is great cause it stretches on its own. Right. And I love that, but mono, if you're going to shoot in anywhere around structure, so Florida, right. You're, uh, you're hunting around all types of sharp metal, Australia. And, um, let's say you're going to Vanuatu, man, that reef is razor. Yeah, sharp, 100%, you know? yeah. That mono, <laughs> even in Mexico where I'm shooting, like if I'm shooting little, like, 25 pound yellowtail in Mexico, even on those rocks that don't look that sharp, I've watched mono get torn to shreds. Yeah. So I, I just kind of gave up on mono, man. Uh, cable for big, you know, if I'm shooting doggies or any kind of big tuna or something like that, I'm going to go with cable. Otherwise, I'm going with the, the um, Dyneema. How much cable? Uh, so for your blue water, uh, are you talking strength or length? But length, okay, I was so asking strength. primarily, but now that you've mentioned strength, I want to know both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I generally go above 400 on if I'm going for two and I'm going above 400. Um, just you are like, man, 500 pound cable is pretty thick. Yeah. You yeah. know, so 400 is kind of my happy medium. And then um, I double crimp. If I'm going for doggies, dude, I double crimp. Uh, yeah. Maybe a little excess, but I, I'll just, I'm, I've lost, I've lost enough doggies to know that. Yeah, um, and some of them have been to single crimps. And then uh, length. So on blue water guns, you have that bungee right that's going to your <clears throat> direct to your float line and direct to your uh to your shooting line on that cable there you should be doing one wrap around and then coming uh to your uh line anchor at the front of the gun and then straight back that's it i mean you are talking one and a half wraps man because if you're going to go with all those extra wraps and my biggest experience is obviously with doggies and stuff um you're just adding too much too much room for it to get to go and cam itself up on the reef and tear its body in half, which I've seen happen, you know? So yeah, there's a big argument against, my, uh, sorry, uh, go ahead. There's, oh, I was just going to say, oh, like double wraps in my opinion are a pain in the ass and everyone mm -hmm. wants it. Cause oh, like I've got the extra range of this blue water gun or double roller or whatever it is. It's like you, if you're shooting beyond like five meters, 15 feet, I don't know. I mean, there are times and places for it. Like I haven't done a lot of blue water hunting, admittedly, but I've, I've come into into trouble a few times with double wraps. And um, oh yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So a so a couple things on on line management. This is actually uh, one of the most common problems guys are going to get shooting that. Um, this kind of goes with cable too. But back to that Aussie rear line, a shooting line. If you're going to um, so here's the thing rollers I'm, I'm big i'm a big classic spear gun guy i'm not fully fully against building or shooting rollers i'm i build them i just i prefer classics uh with rollers and standard guns no matter what rollers are gonna are gonna get muzzle wrap more often than standard guns it's just it's it's just what i've seen uh you want to keep that aussie line tight like i said your uh and then your shooting uh your bands uh your wishbones those things have got to be small keep them um keep them at like two inches to three inches max. Wow. Uh, and then keep that shooting line out of your bands, all that. So you know when you pull your band back, your shooting line might get like tucked under a band. Mm. That's muscle wrap city right there. Yeah. So you want to clear all that out. And then with, um, with cable, like you're saying, yeah, the double wraps and stuff like that. Uh, if you look, go back in your videos, go back and check. And this is, I recommend this to any spear, any guy, any, you know, if I sell a gun to a guy, I'm like, and they're like, dude, I want a double wrap. I'm like, dude, I'm not giving you a double wrap. You can put it on yourself if you'd like, 
go back into your videos and let me know how how what your average range is to those fish i guarantee you it's between 10 and 15 feet on yeah. on 95 percent of those fish mm-hmm. so there's no point that's just my my opinion but um so far uh i guess over the last six years i i like i totally ditched you know all the things i was talking about and i went single wrap to those those two types of line and muzzle wrap has gone away and issues like uh getting tangled up on reef has gone away so it's faster to reload too isn't it um mm-hmm. guys can say what they like but even roller guns it's a it's a tighter and it's a harder pull and getting your fingers in there i mean there are assists and all the rest of it but then you're adding further complication and things you got to carry and stuff it is delightful mm-hmm. sometimes just to have a fast reload you know, easy shooting line path, bang, 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 and I'm ready to shoot again in 15 seconds versus, you know, like I've had rollers, and I'm I'm a bit of a cabbage, I'll admit it, but, uh, uh, you know, like <laughs> a, a minute reload time is ridiculous to me. Like if I'm in thick fish and I'm swimming in current, I don't want to be spending a lot of time swimming into current then trying to dive back down to whatever depth it is that I'm, you know, the fish are all congregated at, and then, you know, wrestling my gun to reload it while i'm trying to get all zen and do a decent dive so. mm-hmm. yeah it's it's um it's just the last thing you want to be doing right yeah there's a lot of fish around the last thing you want to be doing is spending a lot of time reloading and uh rollers you're right man there is no two ways about it like rollers take longer to load um and i have my other issues with them uh aside from that right like i like a little bit of recoil <laughs> you know? so, like it, to me like when i have a little bit of recoil i can at least like it feels like my shot goes further i don't know but um as far as like the whole flipping it over if you have to if you have a couple hooks on the bottom and then mm. flipping it back and putting it on the band hook and and all that stuff i just I, i'm with you I, like I, I would prefer just to do two pulls and be done with it mm. and get back on the fish yeah because even uh, uh, just you've got these limited windows when you're in these really fishy places. It's just simplicity is your friend. I think you want to use every second of your time getting ready to mm-hmm. hunt stalk and do that rather than mucking around with a spear gun, particularly if you've got sausage fingers like me and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you're, you know, the monkey brain and all the rest of it. I just want, I just want things to work and be simple. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I like, at the end of the day, a spear gun is a tool. Mm-hmm. No matter how beautiful or ugly your spear gun, whatever one you might have is, at the end of the day, it's a tool. And when when you're about to pull that trigger, you're not really thinking about, you know, uh, how pretty my spear gun is. That's that's a side note. When you're about to pull that trigger on a bigger fish, you just want it to shoot right. You know, you just want it to shoot straight. So functionality functionality is is um, in my opinion over form, but you can't like again. My company's name is Hot Rod Spear Guns. Like, he, he, <laughs> and I know a bunch of other builders who who build pretty guns yeah. that are just are perfectly functional. As long as you can meld the two together, mold the two together, that's yeah, that's what we're all searching for. But at the end of the day, it is a tool, and you it should be treated as such. It's a tool and a weapon. It should be treated as such. I kind of live my life like that, but my wife's the opposite. Like, I'm a function <laughs> over form type guy. She's a form over function. Uh, it's that funny yeah. thing where you're having arguments. I remember when I went into a motorcycle shop to buy my first motorbike, and yeah. I was kind of stuck between these two motorbikes, and this guy said to me, man, buy the bike you know, you park it in your shed and you are looking forward to getting on that thing and going for another ride again. And I think spear guns, if I can relate it to that, I think it's a little bit the same. Like you want to be 
almost excited about using it. If you have any yeah. sense of dread about a spear gun because of accuracy issues in the past or, you know, um, issues like loading it and, and complexity, I, I almost reckon just give it away, sell it, and just buy something that you, you like and you know is consistently going to deal death over time and you can just love it. Yep. Yeah, man. I'm sure you have a friend and I'm sure, and I have friends who have had the same gun, the same one gun for however many years and they just continue to go back to that spear gun and they never ever switch because of the fact that it's reliable and they know exactly what they're doing with it, you know? Uh, I think that's the ultimate goal as a spear gun builder too, is to, to build that gun where a guy picks it up. He loves using it. He knows exactly where it's going to shoot. And he has zero, yeah, zero anxiety about picking that gun up and shooting it. So especially cause you never know what you're going to go out there and find, you know, depending on where you are too. I mean, you can go on the reef and you can get schooled by big doggies or something. You never know, but you want that thing just to perform, man. And, and uh, you know, we've all had that heartbreak moment where you're, you know, something happened, you know, your gun did this or that. And yeah, I can't always blame the arrow, but sometimes, sometimes you can. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's being lazy and, and preparing your gear too, which I'm also guilty of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I can trust when I pull the trigger. Kill shot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln dried Burmese teak. Killshot Spear Guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust, fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at KillshotSpearGuns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent brought to you by Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com Do you like to penetrate? Great news. Penetrator Fins, today's Noob Spiro podcast sponsor are tough as nails. Robust, dependable performers with beyond industry standard warranty. Communicate direct with Larry and his team 24-7 for all your fin inquiries at penetratorfins.com or at penetratorfins on Instagram. Baby spum finish. These things are smooth as silk. They glide through the water. They give you that awesome balance between power and efficiency. This is Penetrator Fins. Use the code Anoopspiro to save $25 on any pair of Penetrator Fins at PenetratorFins.com. That's right, use the code Noobspiro to save $25 on any pair of Penetrator Fins at PenetratorFins.com. Sometimes with weather and commitments, it's a long time between drinks and your spearfishing journey. If you want a dry training program that can keep you in some kind of shape for spearfishing, check out Ted Hardy's 28-day freediving transformation at Noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. That's noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Now the 28-day freediving transformation is just a practical dry training plan that Ted Hardy will walk you through and it will help you get results even if you can't get wet at the moment. Check it out at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Paul, we went straight into the meat and potatoes of the interview. We went straight into talking about (laughs) your bread and butter, which is spear guns. I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and where it all started. Like where did the spearfishing life start for you? Uh, I grew up doing it, man. So my dad, uh, a military guy, I grew up all over the place, uh, Hawaii. And then uh, I lived in South America for a while, uh, on Peru. And, uh, a lot was in California too. Um, and you know, I just, 
the first time I ever went, I think I was six years old and it was with the three prong. My dad would take us out to the, you know, just outside the first reef in Hawaii. And, um, my first fish I ever shot was like some little, <laughs> who knows what. And, uh, I was hooked from there. Right. I, I didn't even, I, I shot the fish. I got back to shore. I put it in my fin, a wave, uh, literally an eel came up out of the rocks and ate my fish. Oh wow! <laughs> like the first fish I ever shot, like classic, uh, you know, spear fisherman losing his fish. But, uh, uh, from there I was hooked, man. And, uh, I just, I've had the fortunate, you know, ability to travel and, and spearfish. Uh, I think I've spearfished almost every continent now. Uh, and, wow. uh, it's just been great, man. Like, yeah, the job I have now uh, has allowed me to, um, to hit some places that I think people would never be able to hit before, you know? Um, so that was pretty awesome, but just my whole life, man, it was like, my brothers want to get, you know, they want to get in and surf. And I was like, I don't care. Like I will get, in, so I can get in the water for seven hours in off the coast of San Diego, freeze my butt off in yeah. a five mil looking for white sea bass or whatever, dude, I'll be in the water for 30 minutes surfing and I'm miserable. I'm freezing. I'm like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm out. Like, so I think something about the hunt, man, it, it's yeah. just something about the hunt to me and coming home, bring dinner home. Right. Uh, I think inspires a lot of spirits, but yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of how it went for me, man. Uh, and then obviously the gun building mm. kind of came after woodworking too. So I just grew up doing both those things. Sounds like a natural sort of progression. Like, I mean, given the fact that you, you were traveling and, and spearfishing in a lot of different places, it makes sense that you'd mm. want to build a travel spear gun. You're solving your own problem. <laughs> You're scratching your yeah, own Yeah, maybe it's manifested itself just by nature. Yeah. yeah. Man, I like your Instagram. I like what you do on there. Um, I was having a poke around this morning and I – I liked one of your videos in particular. You had an over, overhead shot of a bank of your spear guns. Like I think there was about eight of them. And the question mm. you were addressing is one that a lot of gun builders get asked. It's um, what's the best all-round spear gun size? Can you talk to, talk us through um, what your your thought process is with regards to this question? Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's the question I get almost every every time I get an order. And it's the most impossible. I literally got the question yesterday, actually. <laughs> but uh, it's it's an impossible answer because you can't you can't build a guy a spear gun that he's going to use in every single underwater environment. It's just it's just not feasible. The question I got yesterday was, can I go offshore uh, in New York and shoot tuna and also shoot fish inshore in ten feet of vis? And I said, well, I can't I can't necessarily. If I recommend you a gun that does all that, it's going to be lacking. It's going to be the jack of all trades and the master of none. Mm. Um, and so I think that that's kind of where I, I, another evolution of the travel gun with the, the multiple tubes. And it, it obviously pertains to dudes who have boats, right? You're not going to change them in underwater or in the water, but um, that it's just an impossible question to answer. And I think other companies have came up with, a concept where it's like, it's just one gun. You just switch it out, you know? Yeah. And I think right now that's the best answer we've got. Mm. Uh, and I think the roller community tried to answer that question. Oh, 105, 115 roller. Yeah. It's small enough and it, it does everything. But it, man, I test it almost every single spear gun uh, in a pool. I have access to a pool and I test almost every single spear gun. And, uh, you know, I've, I've shot every type, right? Hybrids, inverted rollers, standard rollers, double rollers, uh, classics, big boys, whatever you name it, dude. And um, at the end of the day, I just power, uh, the power of the roller was not what it's been advertised mm. in real life. 
uh, I see all these, I'll see all these equations and I see all these like, uh, scientific reasoning, um, parasitic power, lack of recoil equals more, you know? Yeah. And, and it didn't translate, man. It just doesn't translate to me in the water. I, I've seen, you know, I've seen great companies do that and they, they put their gun at like seven meters and they make, and they, and they kind of get a shot off that barely pierces a tiny little board. And I'm like, dude, it's just, it's, that's, it's not the all around man. It's not yeah. the all around in my opinion. Uh, do you, it's just and the other thing we've talked about. Sorry, man. I, I want to interrupt you there. Cause I've had a question for a while and, and I've been looking to really ask a, a gun builder. Um, do you feel like rollers throw a shaft far, but they, they, they don't generate the power to penetrate large fish. Yeah. It almost seems like that's the case is, is the shaft. It's almost as if there's less wobble and the shaft travels because there's less wobble. That's what it seems like to me, because when I watch a roller shaft leave the spear gun, it, it is in line. There's, and there's generally no flex. When I see a overpowered gun fire, uh, a, a, a narrow shaft let's say really far that shaft is still all over the place and i think that wobble it, it catches the water or something and, and it causes it to to go uh maybe not as far but at the same distance i'm still seeing yeah that one shaft has more power mm. i i can't fully explain it man but yeah. it does seem like that's the case okay and um and I, I literally sat at 15 feet i shot a roller and let's say this much of the spear went through uh, uh, two feet of spear went through and I've, I've had clean pass throughs on the same size standard gun yeah, right. you know, at 15 wow. feet. So pool testing has been lightning and I've been doing it. So I've been doing hardcore, like almost every gun I sell in the pool for about two years now. Yeah. And man, it's been really enlightening. It's been great for the, for, for the builds themselves. I think, um, if you guys, everyone has, ahead, everyone has bias. Like, uh, you know, particularly as you get older, bias is just in si- simply like, you know, like mental shortcuts, basically, to mm. help us make faster decisions. And sometimes the older you get, the worse, the more biased you become. And you're used to taking shortcuts and you're thinking for everything. I think a bias informed by a lot of experience testing, though, is different kind of bias. It's, you know, mm. obviously you're making some assumptions when you pick up a spear gun, but at least it's been informed by hundreds of hours in the swimming pool. What were you going to ask? Uh, oh shoot. I forgot. That was such a good point. I was starting to think about it. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, think, I was thinking about how, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. You're, you're a biased, a conventional spear gun, man, though, but at least it's been informed by ours yes. in the pool. Most of us, it's just, yeah. we just make the, have these subjective opinions about it. A lot of mm. old school guys are just like conventional and a lot of new, you know, new, newer guys are hundred percent rollers. And I've, I've, I've mm. played around with both. I like them both. Um, mm-hmm. some of my mates that chase bigger fish and I, I haven't got out and chased bluefin tuna or dog tooth or, um, you know, I haven't even shot a wahoo yet. I still haven't shot it. I mm. haven't shot a, a big cobia. There's lots of fish that I haven't yeah, shot, particularly bigger species. Yeah. So mm. sometimes when I'm talking about this stuff, it's just purely ideas, but some of the, mm. my mates, they will say that they love conventional spear guns, particularly big timber guns for chasing larger, thicker bodied fish. Um, mm-hmm. and that's people with a yeah. lot of experience with spear guns as well. Yeah. And, um, you need the right tool for the job. Like I said, it's just a tool, but the, uh, I don't get dude. I have, I literally have a 110 travel hybrid roller in my, that I shoot yeah. that I actually have brought on the boat for the last few trips. Uh, I shoot it a lot less and, um, it's got zero recoil. 
it's pinpoint accurate, but it only shoots 15 feet or, you know, maybe less than that. And I'm talking like that is the max range. And, uh, maybe you don't need all that power, but like with a big, like uh, I did shoot a bigger Kobe recently, a, a bit longer range. I don't know if that shaft would have got through. Yeah. Um, I know I'm eating my words now. I'm like, oh, most of your shots are 10 to 15 feet, but <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this gun, um, I literally have been forcing myself to shoot rollers. Um, and it's funny because all my boys, they're conventional guys. Yeah. They see me with the roller. Like, Oh, what dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why are you shooting that piece of crap? I'm like, dude, I, I, I have to, like, I have to do it enough. Like I have to take it in the pool. I have to shoot it in the ocean. I have to literally shoot fish with it Yeah. before I can say I, I'm not a roller guy, man. You know? So, and yeah, I've yeah. been doing that. Like I've been doing that a lot. Uh, and, uh, it's just, yeah, everybody's got their own flavor, man. Mm-hmm. I don't knock roller guys. And like I said, I build roller guns. I just, I like a little bit of recoil and I like my easy setup. Well, uh, like guys that like recoil, they don't call it recoil, do they? They call it feedback. <laughs> that's like a that's like a tradition that's like being on the actual the actual gun range you know, yeah, they call yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> a little bit of feedback yeah military uh, background coming funny. through um so um where are you, where do you do most of your spearing these days are you at channel well, yeah. islands uh... yeah so these days these days i'm out uh in the north north gulf uh, i'd say north gulf just generally florida um oh. i spear all over florida man um it's, it's an easy ride for me, uh, where I'm at. And, uh, it's been, it's been good, man. Uh, the grouper, grouper seasons open up in some oh, counties. Nice. It is opened up. Uh, so gags and then, uh, Cobia, man, Cobia is so good. Like it's one of my, it's to me, it tastes the best out of almost any fish out here in Florida. Wow. So what are you, what are um, you doing with it? Like you, you shoot yourself a, a let's say a 50 pound Cobia. What, what's your average treatment of that fish? Uh, all right. So I'm, I'm getting every little bit of meat off of that thing that I can. I, I harvest the collars on every, every good size fish. I'm actually about to eat collars tomorrow night. How and good are they? For the Kobe itself, I will, um, I will always start off with raw and a beer. <laughs> yeah, well. I'm done diving. Uh, I will cut off like a nice part of the shoulder or somewhere maybe on the belly. If I'm feeling it, I'll go raw with some soy sauce and a beer. And then the next day I'll, I'll do, um, ceviche. Yeah, my wife makes a bomb ceviche, so I I'll, like I can make ceviche, but she she's just so much yeah. better than me. So I'll, I'll give her a couple pounds of cobia for ceviche, and then the next day, like I, I'm like eating cobia for like four straight days. Like last night, I had um, I'm on I'm on day four or five right now, like eating cobia straight. I uh, you down I had to tacos? Blackened last night. I what's uh, that? Blackened with just like you know your average spice, salt, pepper, oh, yeah. uh, onion powder, garlic powder, and then uh, I'll do the collars i'll just fry them man like deep fry <laughs> oh yeah nice it's so nice. good it tastes yeah. like chicken man it's so good i've got a friend and then and i've got a recipe book coming out soon and he submitted it for the yeah. book it's a uh, 99 spare recipes but he just freezes up all his collars and then when he has like a football game on and he, all his mates come around he does all his um collars so he'll have like six different species of fish all the you know yep. the wings and stuff and uh and that's the way he does that that was a cool one i thought and a, just a good idea like for people that do like you know sport nights and stuff like that and like to just sit around and mm. nibble on something while you're having a beer it really is finger food man i mm. mean a bunch of my guys at work they eat fish but they don't they don't eat fish like like we eat fish right and so <laughs> i'll be like you know, hey dudes, like we'll be on a work trip and I'll go fishing and I'll bring back, you know, cobia. 
I'm like, hey, dudes, we're going to eat fried collar tonight. And they're like, what is that? <laughs> you know, but dude, I, I, I feed them the cobia collar and they're just like, dude, give me some more of that. You know, like my, my, my friend fed his daughter some cobia the other night and she thought it was chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I love them. Chicken but, of the sea. Um, that, that might be what we have to call them. I'm going to. I'm gonna to have to get that recipe book from you, man, because yeah. I'm sure there's some other chefs out there that got way, you know, because you're oh. you're collecting it from dudes or is it all? Uh, nah, it's all crowdsourced, man. So like, um, more than seventy different people submitted more than 170 recipes. Maybe only a hundred and I want to say 160 approximately have made it into the book. We're just sort of closing out. We just did a beta reading round. 80 people went through the book looking for like spelling mistakes and stuff like that. So hopefully we got the majority okay. of it, and then. Uh, should be out to print in the next month or so, but it's exciting. Man, that's super cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to get that. I'm going to have to buy yeah. that for you, man. That sounds awesome. There's some game changes in this. Like um, I was yeah. going to say, your wife might have a lot of success with ceviche because um, she might be using palm sugar because a lot of people just use brown mm. sugar or raw sugar or white sugar or whatever. Mm. I think palm sugar is a game changer with uh, with ceviche. The other thing I was going to mm. say, man, and I, I recommend every single person that spears fish should have one of these, and that's a smoker. Not a, It doesn't need yep. to be an elaborate Traeger, you know, high-end smoker. I'm talking like hardware store, $70 smoker um, with just wood chips that you cook, that you heat up in a chimney, pour them in the bottom, um, baste your your fish fillets in salt and brown sugar, chuck it in there for an hour, hot smoked yep. fish, and you can use trash fish. Tastes absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's I, I do have a smoker and I ha man, I have done a little bit of that, but yeah. I haven't like I haven't I haven't dived into that enough. You're right, I should. And especially being American, man, we smoke everything. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. true, yeah. We gotta I gotta do some more of that. Great news, guys. Adam Stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the Noob Spiro community. If you get on freedivingfamily.com, use the code SPIRO, you'll get 20% off any course. There's a bunch of sick courses on there. There's an equalizing uh, stage one. There's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there. They're two of my absolute favorites. If you have any problems with equalizing, go to freedivingfamily.com. Get Adam's course and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Shrek, dude, you're killing it on the Noob Spiro podcast. Every guest you get on froths on the Spearing lifestyle and the actionable info is off the chain. Over here at uh, Spearing Magazine HQ, it's the same, buddy. So many noobers are submitting their adventures, lessons learned, and pictures here at SpearingMagazine.com. I just wanted to say that noobers can get an international subscription at SpearingMagazine.com. Also, they can uh, check out our In the Face Apparel or get a subscription to the greatest Spearing Magazine on the planet. That's all right here at SpearingMagazine.com. I am Jeremy Gamble, and uh, man, I love the Noob Spiro podcast. This is Jeremy out. Rubber on power bands, or power bands as you guys call them. We call them rub rubbers here in, uh, in, in Australia, <laughs> but power bands in America. How, how, how do you see? It's so American. <laughs> yeah, I try to bung it on, but um, I do love the American accent. But rubber or power bands, um, how do you most commonly see Spiros sort of get it wrong? I think guys are overpowering a little bit too much. 
And I think the other thing that I'm seeing is guys are tying these like insanely long wishbones. And that seems like such a minute, you know, thing of minutia, but it's actually huge, man. Uh, it'll, it'll fix your line, your uh, muzzle wrap issues. If you're having them. You would hate my, like my last spear gun. I did tied the bands <laughs> and like literally like the, the bridles were like four inches long. They were awful. My mates yeah. were taking the piss out of me. So you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here about in terms of what I should do. Yeah. I used to, I used to, do some pretty long ones myself. And then I was like, why? why? And then I, you know, I found out I had a friend. He's like, I'll try tying them closer together. A good friend of mine is a smart guy. Uh, and he, uh, it was a great recommendation. I, I I'm, I'm religious about it now, but, um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say the other days guys, guys want to overpower. Like here's, here's the thing about like bands, your band to shaft ratio is huge. <clears throat> and I don't mean like, I mean the diameter of your shaft to how many bands and what diameter they are as well. Uh, in my experience, the most consistent shooting uh, combo that I've seen is actually a 516. So about an 8 mil, it's just under 8 mil, uh, with three uh, 14 mils. So 14 mils are great bands, man. Honestly, mm. I sometimes will just straight up run two 14 mils on my smaller guns because for some reason they just seem to shoot cleaner. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, and I'll tie them to just about or just under the, the the length of the 16 mils. I won't even go that much shorter. Do you think the modern 14 mil power bands that we're getting these days, like the internal diameter is so small, they almost pack in mm. the same amount of rubber as the old 16 mil bands. Do you think that's part of I it? I mean, the old, old, the old, old bands had some pretty big holes in them. You're right. But so a, a guy on Instagram, I, I forgot who it was. He did a pretty good test. Gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on Chris the name. Chris Coates? It was, uh, maybe it was, no, it wasn't Coates. It was a smaller builder. Um, and maybe Chris Coates did it, did, did a test. I, I, I never saw that one. But there's another guy who did a really, really in-depth. And basically what it showed was, uh, and I hate to kill people's dreams, but the small ID stuff doesn't have that much of an effect ah. on. That's, that's what his test revealed. Uh, it seemed like a pretty decent test, man. And I... I couldn't like recall everything about the test. All yeah. I know is like, you know, when it all came down to it, his, his uh, report on the test was yes. Hey man, these, these small ID bands giving you like a little bit extra. What I think they do is they, they extend the band life though, which ah, okay. he couldn't test. Right. I, I think you got more rubber, more rubber to extend the band life. Uh, and um, for some reason, I just see the 14 mils, man, they, they handle that that lifetime of getting stretched back and forth better than 16 mils. And 16 mils is just a little more rigid, right? And, mm. and you can feel it in your band, and it seems to not last as long. Ah. Now, what I will say is the prime line stuff, you know, what most guys are using, mm. really good rubber. You mm. can't go wrong with prime line. And um, I will always, always, always tell guys, black over amber. I know you guys want your, your pretty colors, Black over amber, dude, your bands are going to last longer because that black is going to protect your amber bands from the UV rays. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're going to extend your band life. Plus, something about it's just stronger. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems stronger to me. <laughs> yeah, wow. So okay. That's usually my recommendation to guys, man. So with with with, with guys what, like thinking about their spear gun and how powered up they have it, um, you're suggesting like for under 8 mil, which was a 3 16th, I think you said? Five sixteenths. Uh, uh, five sixteenths of an inch is eight mil almost. All right, so almost. smaller than that, you you're you're saying forty mil is generally pretty good. Yeah, if yeah, uh, so five sixteenths, I would I would go with three fourteens or two sixteens. Yep. 
that's that's like to me the going rate. If you're going to go with the nine thirty seconds, um, go with two fourteens and feel it out because you're gonna, you're going to see your shots going to be more accurate in my opinion, and you're not going to lose as you're not going to lose much uh, as far as range goes. Mm. Um, I don't know, guys. You just see the numbers, you're like, more power. That equals more power. And I, I don't think it actually – it doesn't seem to work like that, man. 9.30 seconds is – what are we talking about here? Like 7 uh, – 6 mil, mate. 9.30, 7.5-ish. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, man, I got to double check. It's somewhere in between 7 and 7.5. Okay, yep, yep. Sorry, that, that seems like a big catch point um, for Imperial versus mm. Metric. Like, I'm generally pretty on to it with, you know – distance and stuff translating to metric mm-hmm. but uh when it comes down to the smaller measurements uh millimeters just seems so much more precise and easier than yeah. uh, than, <laughs> than, 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 the, than the inch like it's just uh, yeah, it, it's hard to get my head around sometimes to be honest here's what i'm gonna say i'm just a dumb stubborn american and i'm gonna stick with my inches <laughs> but you, you but you guys are right like it, metric system is smarter <laughs> like, oh we should just it, compromise it's, and... it's, it's so much simpler yeah 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 i'm just being stubborn by like you know sticking i yeah i call millimeters commie units like <laughs> that's just what we do as americans man i'm sorry <laughs> oh good brother um talking about your local hunting. What's a species that you love to target at the moment? How do you do it successfully? And I'd love to hear a story about it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we talked about Kobe. Let's choose something else. Um, I'm going to go with locally. Groper season's opening up. What are you doing? Yeah, man. man grouper. I'd say African Pompano, man. So Kagami. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, they're, they're also just so delicious. And when you get walled by them, uh, it's just it, – it's like, it's so cool, man. I mean, they're, they're all just like, they're pretty dumb, right? When they do come up to you, uh, when they're in the big school, right? When they're in onesie twosies, super skittish. Mm. When they're schooled up like that, they'll come right in your face. And I don't know if you've experienced that before, but um, yeah, we did some fishing and at pretty far offshore. And uh, it was a buddy of mine, uh, Worth, he's a super good dude that I fish with out here, him and a couple other dudes. And uh, we were out fishing at this one spot. And, you know, it was actually kind of murky and, um, you had to get down below the 70 foot, I think it's like a 70 foot thermocline. So, uh, you're hitting that 70 foot thermocline, dude, they're right there just in and out. And, uh, man, you, it was like, just take your pick. Uh, I ended up like I shot one with my bigger gun and I was like, this is insanely easy. I took my little 90 down there and just, you know, blasted one, uh, and ended up uh, stoning that one, man. It's just, it was just a good day. Uh, they're just such a delicious fish. You can do anything with them, man. Like just like Kobe, you can do anything with those fish. How do you find them? So you're saying like this time, like obviously, like with fishing, we all have these rules of thumb. Like you know, some people yeah. go for structure. Obviously, here the thermoclines seem to be uh, a point of um, aggregation for yep. them. What other sort of things are you looking for to find um, bits? You know, like schools of them. Yeah. So for, for APs, um, I can't, I, I can't say I've hunted enough to give you like the rules. Right. But what I can say is, um, I found them in days with decent current. Um, again, when they school up, they're a lot dumber when they're onesie twosies, they're, they're a bit more skittish, but if you give them time to re like to, to, uh, if you swim away from them, almost I've seen them come back. Mm. Uh, and then, I've seen them. I generally see them like clearer water, man. Um, and then temperature is a big thing too around here and everywhere is going to differ. 
But in my opinion, just like with the Kobe or I'm seeing right now, like that 74 degree mark to me is like, I kind of see, and that's, that's like worldwide, like 74 is a really good number worldwide. I can't say for which species, like every species, but there's a lot of species that to me, 74 is a magic number. <laughs> wow. 74 is 23 degrees Celsius. Okay. That's nice. Okay. Comfortable spear in there too. Flor- Florida it's seems really to get a fair bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the temperature we're getting in the, in the spring and in the fall and that's when i'm shooting on my kobe <laughs> nice so, yeah right, cool so how's the and seat- i know it has to do with mating patterns too and and when they come in and all that but i i, I even kobe which i've shot more of i i haven't had enough time to really get it down like like uh you know guys spend so much time like i had logs for like fish like doggies man because they're they're harder i think to even read the doggies than, than those but um, you got to keep a log and you got to like, you got to like, just go when nobody else will. And you got to literally like, just write everything down. So you remember it. Cause that's how you find those numbers. I think. What's uh, what are the prevailing conditions up there at the moment in terms of what's happening in the ocean down here in, at the moment, we're in the grip of a La Nina sort of season and mm. we're dealing with a lot of rainfall. Um, and it's, it's changed things up a little bit. Um, what are you guys looking at up there and. How do you think about weather and how it impacts your spearfishing? Well, uh, weather's everything. Windy, windy is what I generally use as long as you're on the right satellite or the radar, um, the right forecast model uh, per, for your area. So for here, I'm looking at NOAA, uh, which is uh, the most accurate in my experience. And then um, we're just kind of – we've had a really, really windy winter and, and spring to be honest with you. And it's just seems like over the last couple of weeks, it started to mellow out and lots of dudes started killing fish. <laughs> like you yeah. look on Instagram, like all of Florida dudes just seem like they're just <laughs> wrecking fish. <laughs> and the other thing is, man, it, weather's everything, but you also have to be cognizant of the, of the seasons here. Florida is so rigid about their seasons, which I love. I mean, they, they've kept their fishery healthy. Uh, or so it seems to me mm. um, that uh, I think, I think that, yeah, like, those, those couple of things combined, right? Like you just, it seems like we were waiting all winter long and it finally cleared out right when like it was good temperatures and all this stuff. And finally guys are killing fish, but those are probably temperature in, in, in the water is my biggest weather factor. And obviously wind is my, my, if I'm going on the boat, like wind is my next biggest factor. Ma- managing, uh, uh, we're getting into fishery science here, and I'm, I'm aware we're both bro scientists, probably, but um, bro, yeah, <laughs> but like managing a fishery, you know, seasonally seems to potentially have quite a few benefits because you could close out their spawn season where you get, you know, these huge aggregations, and then arguably they're very easy to target and possibly overfish. Um, so you can protect them when they're at their most vulnerable, and then you have these times where the fishery is open for a limited window, and people get in there and they absolutely smash it. But it's in Florida there; it seems to work, like um, because the fishery seems abundant. Yeah, I, I think um, man, I've only been in Florida for a couple of years, right? I was overseas uh, for the majority of the last you know ten years, but I um, I think they've done a good job, and I, I like. I go out and it's funny because like, I'm not used to this. Uh, you go out and you like, cannot shoot most of the fish that are around. Yeah. So when it looks really healthy and like, you're about to go crush it, you're actually searching through all of the fish. You can't shoot to find the one smart, the one dumb one who's in season 
who you can shoot. And that's the crazy thing is like, you'll go out there and not, you know, when it's not grouper season and there's, there's gag grouper lining the ocean floor. Yeah. yeah. And you go out the very next day, you know, you, you first day of seasons, obviously all this best, but second day of the season, they've caught on already. They have caught on. <laughs> yeah. And you go out there and they're, they're gone, dude. And it's in spots where you normally see hundreds of them. Mm, that's, that's it's 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 very different than the way we do things here. So it's it's kind of cool to think about and to um to hear about um as yeah. you've travelled sort of around the world and you've explored different spots spearfishing, um how have you learned to think about and plan your dives? Where are you going to dive and what are you going to target and who are you going to go with? I mean, what are some of your what what are some of your sort of tips to be successful? Uh, I think I think if you're if you're going to spend a lot of money and go to some spot overseas, uh, give yourself time, dude. Uh, especially during typhoon season, if you're in that side of the world, right. Or if you're, or hurricanes or whatever you're going to experience and, uh, plan it around. Um, and I don't want to give too much away. I, I, <laughs> Cause there's like, you know, the trade secrets, um, guys already generally know this stuff, right. Um, guys know what they're looking for in the moon. They're looking for in the tides. They're looking for in the sea state time of year uh, because in the places where they didn't have the rules that Florida has, there are spawning seasons, but the fish are over fish. So they're smart during spawning season, but they're still more plentiful than they would be. Or if you're going to go fish a spot, like you got to ask, ask the locals. Um, and if there aren't a lot of locals, then you're probably doing a good job. <laughs> but um, I would say, give yourself time, man, because it, trips that I planned where I didn't give myself enough time. It was like the next day you're leaving. And it's like just cherry, you know, it's, <laughs> it's oil slick out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then obviously, yeah, you're, you're looking at the tides and moon and, and all that stuff, man. Um, and then whatever target species you're going for, uh, you need to make sure that they're going to actually be there that time of year. And if you don't have a reference for that, then you might be the guy going to suck it up for a week or two and explore that area and not maybe see it, but you might find something else, which has happened to me before. Mm. You know, I've gone to places and just got totally skunked on the target species, but made out on another species that I wasn't expecting to see. Can, so, Can you think of an, a specific time where that's happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was down in the Philippines and the Philippines has some great fishing, man. Uh, uh, it's, there's a lot of problems with Philippines yeah. as far as fishing goes. Dynamite like they, fishing uh, they, in parts. They just destroy their reefs, yeah. man. And it's unfortunate. You know, there's, they haven't, they have a lot of people in the Philippines haven't got taught how to take care of the reefs and uh, they have such beautiful reefs. The ones that are still are, are doing all right. I went to look for doggies. I found Wahoo. I found a Wahoo, you know, like it, so that was cool. Uh, I spent so much time looking for doggies uh, and I crushed, you know, my sinuses. I was sick, but at the end of the trip, made out with a bonus Wahoo and, and saw some really cool stuff. My my buddy and his uh, his wife, uh, uh, it was actually kind of a work trip. She came down, but they got to go surfing. Like it was cool, man. So like, yes. and there's just you make the best of it, man. You really do. But nobody's gonna find. You're not gonna find a new spot unless you go explore it. You know, if if nobody's asking questions about a spot, uh, and you're the first person to be asking questions about a spot, like good on you. <laughs> you know. What's the most special fish you've ever lost and what did you learn yeah. from it? Uh, the most special fish I ever lost uh, was probably, so I, I couldn't give you the exact weight. It was a big, big doggy, man. I want to say it was, it was 150 plus. Wow. Uh, so what is that? 75 70, kilos about. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I have a picture. I think it's on my Instagram or my buddy, my buddy stone trout. Uh, he, he, uh, took the picture. It's got three floats underwater. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's got two gannet, two gannets and, uh, and, uh, evolve float underwater. And I shot this fish just high over the spine. And I watched this fish cam itself off on the reef at about a hundred feet down. And I watched it tear its body in half, literally from the spine up. It tore its body in half with my slip tip and it, and it got eaten by sharks. <laughs> oh, wow, man. That's yeah, beautiful. That was a hard one. And, uh, you know, luckily I, I, I shot one close to that size later on, but, you know, I learned uh, the biggest lesson was shot placement. Um, and I tell guys who are going to do- hunt doggies, like, dude, you, you got to aim for the under the spine or hit the gill plate like yeah. you're not you're gonna probably lose that fish if you don't if you don't put it in one of those spots i'm looking at your instagram now man it's it's pretty phenomenal i can't see the picture you're you're talking about but if people go yeah. to hot rod spear guns they can they can come and have a look at some of paul's history man you've got some uh there's some phenomenal memories here i can see mm-hmm. um it mm-hmm. looks like you've you've targeted broadly too like um like i can see a big Green jobfish, are they a species you like to target when you have opportunity to do so? Yes, sir. Uh, I think they, so jobbies are the best refeeding in the entire world. Oh, in my opinion. Big call. I think they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the close second would be uh, Max. Yep. They're, yeah. It's, it's a tough call, man. But out of the reef species, I think jobbies probably take the cake. Uh, and they're pretty much worldwide. I mean, you get them out in Hawaii, you get them down, you know, down South, you get them out in Australia, Indo, you name it, you get them right. And, um, you know, to find a big one around the 20 pound mark, and I've seen a couple thirties. I've seen one that maybe was 40, not, not joking, but, um, I think I shot, I think my biggest is like a 20, 25 pounder. And that was a special fish, man. That's just, to me, that's just almost as special as a, a hundred pound doggy. I love it when they're swimming at you and then they sort of turn on a dial. I actually, um, <laughs> I designed a t-shirt specifically around the job fish, basically just because of their, their ability to just outweigh you on the bottom. Yes. And, um, there's ways to cheat. Uh, I like cheat is a very relative term, but you know, like uh, where you where you um, you know, you, you use burly and stuff like that, and to get them yeah. up in, in the shallows and stuff. I'm gonna see if I can show yeah. you this. I'll share my screen with you. Uh, the viewers at home can't see this, but if they go to noobspirit.com up into the into the shop menu, they can you see that? Oh yeah, yeah, so I can says, see it. It says, "Do you even freedive, bro?" And the jobfish is <laughs> is smashing through a set of human lungs. You know, that's, and, that's, and that's built just around this concept that you and I are talking about now. It's like, um, yeah, and they turn on a dime and all their, their, their dorsal fin arcs up and they just, I oh, don't they're, they're mm-hmm. amazing fish. Like they just they like, really um, yeah, their, their composition and the way they, 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 they move underwater is just cool. Cause they're not really like a reef fish. They're kind of like some weird in between yeah. thing. eh? Yeah. It's like they, um, they got half and half, you know, like, you could you could literally be in 200 feet of water 150 feet of water and you'll, you'll start dropping some chum for oahu and all mm. of a sudden these jobbies are coming off the bottom yeah and they fit right in yeah and they fit right in you know and uh they're pretty quick when they want to be mm. and that's the thing is i think just based on whatever they're eating and, and their lifestyle i think that's why they're so delicious you know um i, I like what i was 
in with my friend, we were going diving. I was like, dude, you know when a jobby comes at you and it's just kind of logular? Like yeah. it comes at you head on, dude. <laughs> logular. Like yeah, I love it. <laughs> it looks like a log coming at you, dude. Because yeah. like on those big ones, you know, just like their the cheeks and all that. Like, yeah, it's such a beautiful fish, man. It's always a good time being able to land a good size one. They always seem to approach you on that same angle, too, eh? You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like they never, yep. they, it's just on a slight angle and then they're always leaving themselves room to turn on a dime and then just yes. make, and then they're gone. They're gone skis when you, yep. when you spook them proper. Yeah. I found that aside from burly or chum, the, the next best way is to be a really good freaking diver and lay yeah. on the bottom and toss sand. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, there's like two ways to shoot a, a good jobby and those are it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. We're not, we're like, multi-day reef trips where i actually get some sustained diving and i find i start to start holding bottom time and enjoying myself and i'm i'm comfortable like i i've you know you call it the job fish dance where you just you know you're on the bottom throwing sand and hiding and then trying to get them in and it's so much fun man like you, you you like if you shoot one fish for the day and you're doing that for the whole day, like six hours in the water, and you get one special fish, it makes it all yep. worthwhile. I mean, you don't even need a fish; you just enjoy the the exchange, yep. the battle of wits. They just they're one of those fish that are just um, what make spearfishing so addictive. I think sometimes they really are, and I think the bang for your buck is there too. Because here's the thing: is you know, guys are obsessed with the the big eye bream, the sea bream, right? The moo. And um, don't get me wrong, I've shot my fair share. I love shooting them. They don't they don't taste as good as jobbies, but yeah. they make you wait as long or longer. Yeah. <laughs> and the, da- the dance is not as fun, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. jobbies, you you do enjoy it because they actually give you. I think they give you a reasonable chance. Yeah. With the moo, it's almost like, hey, dude, this is going to suck. Like this dive is gonna, <laughs> is gonna suck, and you like you're gonna have to pay your dues. Yeah, but, yeah, man. And they just don't taste as good, so. got a sweet deal for you today guys go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from adam stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines there's frenzel advanced frenzel and hands-free equalization mouthful deep frenzel equalization bifinning essentials these are courses that will give you the one percents that will allow you to improve use the code spiro to get 20 percent off any course at freedivingfamily.com again that's the code spiro to get 20 percent off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Killfish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Killshot spear guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Killshot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. Are you following at Old Man Blue Dive on Instagram yet? Bert Calder, creator of the Old Man Blue Dive gear, is an absolute legend. They're people that froth on the spearing life and intentionally make super hard wearing and practical gear that will stand the test of time. Visit oldmanblue.com.au and check out a bunch of tough, robust equipment made by people that are just as passionate about spearing as you are. oldmanblue.com.au Toughest situation. What's um, what's something that's happened to you which has you know scared you and um, and made you think differently or or adjust and um, take you know, maybe 
more steps or you know do something differently in order to be safe yeah okay i got two stories the first one i'll make quick it's uh i shot so i was like hey man i'm gonna shoot uh the belt reel and the reel today me and my buddy were going hunting for doggies um shore dive and he had the float set up he ended up being the phone a friend guy so he shot the first doggy which was smaller uh 50 pounder comes in which a 50 pound doggy is like a good doggy, but it's, it, it's still so strong. <laughs> You're yeah. going to lose. And, uh, my, my reel on my gun, um, locked up and, uh, my belt reel started going off and this boy was going to down to 200 feet or 150 feet. I mean, he was gone. And, uh, I was running out of line on my belt reel and my buddy came up and assisted me the last 15 feet. And we got the doggy, everything was fine, but I was like, it was razor thin margin. So it wasn't, it was like, okay, no more, no more belt reel. Uh, I think I actually have a video of that on my Instagram. And then the next one, which is kind of a bigger deal in my opinion, um, second day of diving, um, had done some drinking the night before, you know, uh, just having a good time, but too good of a time yeah. next morning, diving hard, uh, light current, but enough to be frustrating blue water to a rise that came up to about, it was a flat rise, uh, came up to about a hundred feet. And, uh, me and my buddies at this time, we we're all diving hundred feet easily. Right. But so I'm down, uh, at 105 feet, take a shot on this pretty big trout. I mean, uh, he's probably eight kilos, good sizer and, and wow. kind of where we we're fishing. Uh, even the big ones weren't good sig. So we were cool to shoot those need them. Yep. Uh, at least in my experience, the trout goes into a hole and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to untangle this while I'm down here. So I stay down kind of start untangling it and uh you can see on my gopro you can watch the shooting line go over uh was it over or under my gopro regardless what happens is i think it's over my shooting line does a um a hitch a hitch around my gopro which is the it's under my hood and i just been annoyed with the gopro flopping around i don't like mask gopros and i was like i'm just gonna put it under my hood i kind of done that without issue well uh that day the i'm I'm down at 105 i start kicking up I got the trout out of the hole and then I was like, I'm going to come back down. <clears throat> Things wrapped around my, my GoPro start kicking up and just cold stop. <laughs> Ooh, and I'm just like, shit. and now I'm tired, man. I'm tired. And I'm like, I got to get to the surface. I start sh- trying to shed this thing in my, my mask, the way it was wrapped around my hood and the GoPro, it was just a bad, it was Murphy, you know? And, uh, finally get the, I, I basically had to flood my mat, like to pull my mask away a little bit, flooded it um, rip my GoPro out from under my hood, drop the spear gun in the GoPro and my buddy bond. So my buddies, JP and bond are basically those dudes. They've been, they've been covering my back for too long. I've, I've put them in those. So JP was the one who got me on the doggy with the belt reel. Yeah. And they co helped me on this other time. We we'd been diving together for four years. So yeah, unfortunately I pushed, I probably pushed them more than they pushed me to go get them. I mean, I'd help them get some deep fish here and there, but like, the end of the day, I know I probably pushed them a little more. Bond comes down to 50 feet and um, it's uh, stone trout on Instagram. And uh, he pulls me up, you know, the rest of the way. Wow. I wasn't out, but I was tired. And at the last 20 feet, I was getting a little bit of uh, vision coming in, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can load a spear gun in about a minute, maybe 30 seconds. I took 20 minutes. Uh, so, so JP went down and got my GoPro, the fish and the gun. <laughs> pulled it up for me. Dude, legends. Uh, I love those guys. Hands me my fish, and it took me. He's like, just you know, we're we're waiting for doggies, really. 
And uh, I'm, it took me 20 minutes to reload my gun, my wow. brain, my legs, everything was fuzzy. So yeah, that was a bad, that was a bad scenario, man. But, uh, I, those guys are pretty much the reason I'm still here. So yeah, I appreciate them. Yeah, man. I mean, some, some massive takeaways from that, from me just listening were like, um, I, I mean, I want to talk about the GoPro and, and just line cinching up on you too. Cause I mean, it's an uncommon mm-hmm. scenario, but like when Fisher and holes, I can see it happening, but having awesome buddies is, is just critical way eh? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um it's it's uh it, it's the most important piece of dive gear you're going to bring on the trip <laughs> yeah yeah because they're going to get you back you know yeah. with with in terms of like hauling fish out of holes i mean when you're diving that depth there's all sorts of other risks as well like squeeze is an issue as well particularly when you're contracting your body and trying to exert yourself at depth um in odd postures and stuff well, i'm glad that didn't happen but shooting yeah. line management with real guns um, can be quite tricky. Any thoughts about that? Or do you, did you leave your gun outside of the hole before you went in and just pull yourself in on the shooting line? Or um, So I shot, I shot the fish outside of the hole and he went in. But, yeah, I, I ditched my gun. It was outside of the hole. But I basically dove, you know, kind of got heads into the hole. And that's when the line wrapped up. So, um yeah, I just it just I think it was Murphy at the end of the day. There was I, I don't remember. I gotta double check that. There might have been I think it was a single wrap. There could have been a double wrap on that gun. I doubt it, but But even look. even with a real like an eight an eight kilogram or you know, sixteen, eighteen pound trout is gonna uh you know, it's gonna haul probably a fair bit of line off your reel before it holes up. Yeah. So you're gonna end mm-hmm. up with excess mm-hmm. line either way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just that, that line's strong and it does what it does. Well, yeah. if you get caught in it, like hopefully you have a sharp knife or you can ditch your belt or whatever is caught, you know, I'm glad you're still here with us and, um, <laughs> deep, deep, deep water hunting. Uh, but when it's clean and you've got good buddies can be, can be really gratifying too. Like you can do some of this stuff if you've, um, if you, you know, you guys are all in similar condition and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, we'd push each other, you know, I mean, it, on a normal day, if, if one of the guys went to a hundred or one of the guys went to one fifteen, like we were there watching each other mm. and like, it was a known fact, like we always had the one up one down. Like, but yeah, uh, I think it was a combo of like, we dove the day before had, had beers that yeah. night, like just combo of things, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, try not to drink too much before I dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. It makes it all sound even more hectic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, far yeah just a little bit. What about funny stuff? Are um JP and sorry, I forgot the other bloke's name. Are they funny guys bon, to dive with? Bon, bon. B-O-N, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, you know, this story actually involves these two dudes. It's a great story. <laughs> All right. So this is the day before the day of the trouts. The, mm-hmm. the the day before that story where I hadn't drank yet and we were just fishing. <laughs> we uh get to a spot and um uh, we're looking for doggies, kind of off season, but it was like, I ah, will chance them. And uh, got one small doggy, got a, a mahi. But then, dude, uh, about a school of about 200 wahoo just shows up right outside the boat. We're like, oh, sick, let's let's do it. <laughs> I hop off one side with my gun, uh, and then Bond and JP hop off the other side. I I I I, I shot one right away. Kind of let it run. Asked the boat dude. I was like, dude, toss me to the gun. <laughs> Shot another one. <laughs> uh, within like five minutes, I get the I get the wahoo in the boat, or ten minutes, I get the wahoo in the boat. I look over. Uh, so Bon, the dude is a legend, man. Like he's a, he's uh, 
no, he never gets buck fever. Like he, he, he shot a big, so his biggest doggy is 195 wow. pounds. So almost, almost a hundred kegs, right. Uh, or close to that. Like, uh, yeah, like uh, 95 kegs. He is like super, uh, if you watch his videos, um, like really sure shot, man. Sorry. This was guy. that, is that dog tooth or Wahoo? His biggest. Uh, so his biggest dog tooth was 195. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the funny thing is he's never shot a Wahoo and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Oh, he hops in the water, and JP essentially turns into his his, uh, his spear gun caddy. So Vaughn shoots, misses, reload. JP's just reloading guns and passes him, and he just shoot and miss. Wahoo left. Oh. I don't know how many he missed. I think it was like two or three in the end. But we, you know, it's just like this hilarious thing where like I went off on my own little thing for five or ten minutes and got lucky and put two in the boat. And I, I just get in the boat and, and like, they're almost, it's just comical. Like yeah. they are just laughing because JP, JP eventually shot one bond, just like shoot, reload, shoot, reload, miss, miss, miss. Uh, uh, that dude is hilarious. I love the guy, man. He's, and he's honestly great diver, freaking sure shot. No buck fever can kill anything without like his heart rate going up. But for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, these Wahoo got the best of him. So. Must, it maybe it's him. surface shooting for him. I think it could have been, uh, he, here's the thing. All of us know, like, uh, we have shot, uh, lots of Mahi, you know, yeah. on the surface. Oh, okay. we all know, like we all talked about this. Hey, we get yeah. underwater. Like it's a common sort yes, uh, subject for us to be like, Hey, yeah, we're going to get underwater when you shoot the Mahi, like, don't be an idiot. So like, and it was also a slicker day. Like it was, there was nothing going on <laughs> on the surface. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened, but, um, Man, it's pretty funny. Old boy, old boy can slay a big doggy and stuff. And he's just, he's got a bunch of good kills under his belt. But for some reason, the Wahoo just, it wasn't happening. Poor bugger. Wow. Yeah. Jeepers, yeah. that'd be tough. He's, he, he's all right, though. You know, it's funny. It's like, there's days where like, um, we had a day, it always comes around, right? Like you pay your dues. Uh, we took my dad out, me and, me and Bond took my dad out. And, uh, it was this like cool spot my dad hadn't been to in 20 years. Oh, Anyways, wow. like, uh, we hadn't seen a doggy all day. A doggy comes swimming by like nice 80, 90 pounder. And it was my turn to dive, but bomb was coming up and he didn't see it. And like, I'm like, like shouting underwater. Like, hey, <laughs> he like does the whole, like, you know, uh, flip back underwater and like goes and he blasts it. It was awesome, man. So it oh, goes sick. around, comes around, uh, man. You got so many stories with those guys. Just, I fish with them so much out, you know? So we're not together anymore. We're all in different parts of the world, but oh, wow. man, those dudes, yeah, right. There's a couple other guys that I've been diving with for a few years now. Just, just you know, great dudes. That's the thing I love about um, the spearfishing community is uh, like how tight, you know, how tight knit it is and how tight knit you get with your buddies. Um, we were going to head into the last sort of two parts of the show um, and then I'll let you get about the rest of your day. Um, I wanted to find out what was in your dive bag. So right. I, I think uh, you, you're yeah. not you're using just pipe guns, eh? Hey? You just you just sell people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, big big pipe gun advocate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So right now we'll go head to toe. Um, I have this old JBL mask that I actually really like. Yeah. Um, I'm, my buddy here, Worth, that I dive with, he turned me on to these white snorkels, and all my other buddies make fun of me for it, but I'll, everybody can see me underwater. So uh, yeah. I've been diving with this like white snorkel. Uh, from Amazon. And then uh, I dive a Waihana wetsuit. Um, uh, those guys are super good dudes. Steve, Steve, one of the owners. Uh, I know him. Uh, and uh, and he's, I've been talking to a few nice guys, man. 
I've been talking to a few people that are wearing those suits and they and they like them. They got wraps on them. Yeah, super comfortable, man. Um, I like like they they make the type where you don't have to put lube on, right? And so that's pretty nice. The they call them the essentials. Um, I'm diving. Um, what is it? Uh, I don't remember the brand of fins. It's a Greek company. I forgot the name. And then I have like a Neptonics brand. I got two pairs of carbon fibers. I, I like uh, medium to to soft yep. uh, for the blade. Uh, and then I'm I'm using so my work issues me uh, the Garmin the Mark. I have a Mark Ooh. One. I think. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, you know, like saves my exit and stuff like that. And then. Oh, dude, my dive knife uh, is uh, this, like, my buddy built me one. He's a metals guy, and he yeah. built me this, like, titanium knife. I don't know what he did right, but I, I was, like, notorious for losing dive knives for, like, the last, I don't know, four or five years. I have kept this knife now for the last two years, uh, wow. which is, like, insane for me, dude. I never I never hold on to dive knives. So uh, it's this, like, cool titanium custom knife. Uh, and then has he got a, has he got a Instagram handle or what's, does he sell stuff? Yeah. Uh, uh, he doesn't sell stuff, but he's, he's a, he's an awesome diver, Steven Whippler. Um, he, he shoots, uh, pretty much shoots all my guns. Uh, super good dude, man. He's uh, like like I said, man, just the friends that I've made through this awesome dudes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, a super smart guy, super nice dude. And and he crushes it. He shoots a lot of big doggies and trout and stuff. Uh, and then obviously the gun I said earlier, I was shooting the, um, travel hybrid. Uh, I have the 120, 120, man, this to, to, to cap it off. The 120 is to me, the universal size. If you really, really had to, and if you're going to dive murky water, put a mid handle on it. <laughs> but like I said, Jack of all trades, master of none. So I'm shooting a 120, uh, travel hybrid rear handle right now. So if people want to check out your spear guns, they can go to hotrodspearguns.com. Um, I'm going to link up a bunch of stuff in today's show notes as well. So people like hot, your hot rod spear guns on Instagram, go to noobspearer.com forward slash hot rod, and I'll have all the stuff linked up as well as a bunch of pictures, hopefully some video from Paul as well, and we'll do some uh, some drops on the socials. Um, but people can check out, can they check out the full range uh, of your guns on hotrodspearguns.com? Um yeah, they everything's on there. The only so I'm working. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. I guess a secret for now. I am working on one one more model, uh, and then there will be some changes to the blue water models next year. Just just some, well, cosmetic and and functional stuff. Um, I built this gun uh, that had uh, ballast tubes in it, okay. and I sold it to that that Stephen guy, uh, a friend of mine. When I when I we parted ways. And, um, man, those water ballasts, I think they're pretty cool and they actually level out your gun and they, they do handle the recoil really well. So I'm yeah, going to okay. start building some more of those next year. Oh, yeah. Sick. Uh, that's probably the only other change that's going on. And yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I've got another gun. I'm R and Ding for the next, I've been R and Ding it for two years now. Probably got another year, year on it. We'll see. So, man, I'm, I'm yeah. loving your backdrop. All those fish prints yeah. you've got up the top there. Who yeah. are they by? Yeah. So I, these are all, I mean, I got a doggy up there see that yeah, one yeah, on the yeah, ceiling yeah. i got there's wahoo and mahi back those are all gyutakus yeah nice uh, you know that japanese fish printing yeah 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 man do you do it yourself uh, those, did you sorry, do those yourself good. no i did not I, I had an artist do it for me okay. yeah yeah shout out to yes yeah some little old lady <laughs> <laughs> really yeah she's a she's a legend yeah well yeah, i don't even know her name <laughs> she's fully colored them yeah. in and everything like um so it's oh, yeah. it's it's above and beyond Giyotaku. Like, wow. Cool, man. Yeah, because a lot of it's black and white. And, you know, black and white has its, like, 
cool um vintage look yeah yeah i, I kind of like them yeah i never got any done i got some buddies that had some black and white ones but to me the color the color is the way to go man yeah oh i like so, i like a bit of everything I, I love seeing fish art i mean i just think you know yeah. the the taxonomy or the the biology of of, of a fish like that they're just so unique and so different and yep. when you start to geek out on all the little details you, you appreciate them more and uh mm-hmm. yeah it's it's not i think you know, trophy hunting evolved. A lot of people have these mixed perceptions of it. With Giyotaku, it's a way to immortalize a fish, but also to appreciate more of it. I think, and I, I it, yeah, I want I want more of it on my wall, basically. So, yeah, yeah, I, this is just, <laughs> dude, they're amazing. Yeah, uh, you know, that would be something like somebody in the states needs to get really good at that. Mm. The problem is you got to be where the fish are, right? Uh, or somewhere somewhere to Australia, like first of all, you got to be a good artist. But um, to like to to do that, like nobody's doing it in the yeah. states. There, there's a few guys that might do it themselves, but someone who's like, this is what I do. You know, uh, I think there's some guys in Hawaii who might do it. Um, there's some really good artists out there. But uh, you know, you're talking about the, the like the biology of taxonomy of the fish. The guys who do those like the bone structure. Mm. Oh yeah, those? that's cool too. Those, yeah. those are sick, man. Those are so cool. Yeah, it's so much work to to boil them and then get the bone looking right, and then um and then glue it all yep. together and stuff. Like, oh, you got some doggy yeah. jaws there. Yeah, I was gonna show you. I got a. Uh, I, this is my my ghetto version. I got a. This is the uh, my first hundred pounder. I kept it. That's the the one print up there on the ceiling. Is, is Sick, uh, I, I kept a lot of things out of him. He had a he had a couple of fish hooks and a weight in his belly. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so a lot I of character. Got a man. bunch of souvenirs off of him. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do that with my first one too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Ah, Their skulls awesome. are so cool, man. Yeah, Paul. Um, it's been awesome chatting, Hot Rod. I really want to just head on out with a faster paced round of questions. It's Spiro Q and A. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, you're a traveling man. So, what is the spearfishing destination that, with all the knowledge you have now, you would most like to go to, and why? Somewhere in Africa, probably, because there's a lot of places you can't get to in Africa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they got doggies. <laughs> For sure they do. Uh, what's yeah. what's my man's name over there? I'm going to remember it in a minute. I mean, Barrett Harvey, uh, uh, African Spearfishing Diaries, but Chris Coates out yeah, of yeah. Mozambique. There's Latham yeah. Island a bit further north with uh, with the boys up yeah. there. Like, there's yeah, I, I see the appeal. Um, if you had to start spearfishing all over again, what would you do differently? Um, man, that's a hard question. Uh, I would probably, probably wouldn't freak my dad out so much as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I was starting to dive deeper than him when I was like, you know, 13 or 14. And, uh, he just, I worried him a few times and I would go back like, why, why'd you do that? Just relax, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he's a, he's a good diver still, man. That guy's that guy's an ace in the water. So. Sounds like a good way to start, man. Um, who is who who has been the most influential person in your spearfishing? Probably got it. Got to throw it back to my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. So I mean, he's he's he like he got me into it and he kept me safe. You know, uh, younger diver and um, taught me like the right ways to go about it. In my opinion, so yeah just yeah all around and he's still i mean he's uh yeah he's still doing it it's just i'm it's impressive so yeah. last question paul um could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you in one sentence 
the spearfishing experience is my obsession. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it gets me in trouble a lot. I don't know. One <laughs> sentence, probably not one sentence, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's spearfishing experience is, is an obsession that I think takes hold of a lot of us. And, um, you got to remember just to, you know, what you're taking, take care of your buddies and uh, just enjoy it, man. Don't get so wrapped up on killing the biggest fish all the time. At the end of the day, you're just there to enjoy it. We ran out of time. I was going to ask you some dangerous questions about how do you balance uh, family life and spearfishing <laughs> uh, as well as running a business as well, man. But um, absolute pleasure having you on. I'd, I'd encourage people to yeah. check out hotrodspearguns.com or at least follow you on Instagram and see what you're doing because you don't just um, – it's it, it's there's education to be had on your Instagram as well, particularly about spear guns and and um, and thinking about it and just um and everyone can do with upgrading their skills and mindsets around it. Like I said, like um uh, it's good to have your bias um sort of shaped by experience, but failing that, having your bias shaped by people that have you know been doing what you've been doing for years and years is a, is a great shortcut as well. So um, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been awesome. Man, it was great. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me, man. Hopefully hopefully we can dive together one day, man. If I can get down to Australia, that'd be rad. Oh, man. I'm, 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 I want to get over there too. Like Florida's been on my list yeah. for ages. Um, yeah. Texas, all those parts of the world. And then, you know, I want to do the West Coast too at some stage. Um, yeah, yeah, the US has been on my hit list since before COVID. So we'll get there one day, man. Yeah, if you haven't, man. The uh, summer bluefin out of California, or honestly getting down to Mexico, man. Mexico is so rad. Uh, it's, it's honestly like one of the last, I wouldn't call it last frontier spearfishing, but there's so much good fishing to be had down there. And there's just so much, so much ocean to, to check out. So, yeah, you can get down there too. Awesome. Will do. All right. Over and out, Paul. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. Paul Rodriguez, what a man, what a man. <laughs> what a mighty good man. Nah, he's just a good dude. I had an absolute blast chatting with Paul. Um, check out Hot Rod Spear Guns. Could not encourage you to do so enough. Love um, geeking out with uh, niche innovators from around the spearfishing world. Paul Rodriguez is a man exactly like that. In two weeks, we're doing something a little different. We're talking to the man behind Rocket Kit. It's a huge YouTube channel. Uh, focused a little bit about spearfishing. He's more of a uh, one-man band, but he does like kayak fishing, uh, beach fishing, solo island trips, but he loves his spearing as well. Uh, and a self-professed noob, but he's got 420,000 subscribers on YouTube, so he's doing something right. Very entertaining guy, very down-to-earth, and he only lives an hour away from me. Really cool guy. He's flown a little bit under the radar in the spearing world. Massive YouTube channel, and we talk about how to grow a YouTube channel. Heaps of tips, tricks, and hacks, and we talk about the tools and the, the algorithmic skullduggery of YouTube, and uh, get down and dirty with that. So Rodney from Rocket Kit, that's in two weeks. Come back, subscribe to the Noobsboro podcast. If you haven't already, go to patreon.com forward slash Noobsboro. Consider joining the other legends powering the podcast on a week-to-week basis. All right, guys, join me again in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Shrek out. 
Today's episode was an absolute banger, and so is our major sponsor, Adreno. Visit them at adreno.com.au. They have a huge range of equipment. You can find it at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpirit checkout when you shop online. You can save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can even use that code in-store at some of their huge mega stores Australia-wide. Price be guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpirit. Neptonics.com source the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it and dive it. Neptonics is the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing essentials. Neptonics is solid gear that works, and you'll know it's true when you pull the trigger on a Neptonics mech. On every snap of a Neptonics power band and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Buy gear you can depend on at neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10%.